Good morning, everybody. It's Tuesday. It's 10 o'clock. It's beautiful outside, and uh, it's time for Tim with Tim. Each day, Monday through Friday, we take about 10 minutes. We go verse by verse through the Word of God. Probably you know that, but I keep saying it in case uh, we got somebody new with us. If you're new with us, gosh, join us. Uh, we are just reading the Bible together. My name is Tim Harris. I'm a pastor in South Central Kentucky, and, uh, and this is what we do. We're going through the book of Isaiah right now. We are in chapter 29, and... Uh, Anyway, let's talk about it. I, I love chapter 29, actually. Um, you know, I'm just honest with you. When I read the Bible through, uh, I know a lot of people, they feel like they just get really stuck in the book of Leviticus or, you know, one of those really difficult, you know, dry early chapters in the Old Testament. But I fly right through those. I die in Isaiah and Jeremiah. You just get into these prophetic, these are long books. You get into these prophetic chapters, and uh, and honestly, they begin to sound a lot the same, and God just sounds mad all the time, and uh, and it can be sort of difficult to, to stay with it. But I am really enjoying this reading through with you, and Isaiah chapter 29 is just beautiful, and there's nothing same, you know, about it. You know, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's breathtaking, and I, I just love it. So, so let's talk about it. What, uh, this is, uh, we're now in a, in a little series of chapters that all begin with the word woe, or in the New Living Translation, it's what sorrow awaits. So here it's what sorrow awaits Ariel, uh, the city of David. It's, uh, it's uh, oh, we're talking about Jerusalem here. We're talking about a, a sort of a nickname of the city, although I don't know how widely known this nickname is. Uh, Ariel is a Hebrew word that typically means lion or lioness. And so using this way, scholars are sort of torn because, because again, it, to, to call the city Ariel is probably in many ways to call it like a city of lions or like mighty heroes, a city of heroes, which is ironic because in this passage, God is going to overthrow the city of heroes. So there's this idea of he's going to conquer the conquerors. You see what I'm saying? It's that ironic use of this word as a nickname for the city of Jerusalem. However, uh, in Ezekiel chapter 43, I think, Ezekiel chapter 43, about verse 15, it's one of those chapters I asked you to read and you probably skipped. <laughs> I don't mean that, but probably I asked you to read it and you skipped it because it's it's one of those long chapters of just, you know, literally measuring and and counting and describing every single, you know, eye-watering detail of the temple. You remember that in Ezekiel? Well, in Ezekiel chapter 43, verse 15, 16, right in there, uh, the word Ariel is used to describe the hearth of the altar, or literally like the chimney. So we're talking about the altar for burnt offerings, and this is the hearth or the chimney where the smoke would rise up. So that word Ariel has these two very distinctive uses, either lion or lioness or like, you know, hero or, you know, hearth, you know, like chimney, like altar hearth. And it's like, what? When you get to this chapter 29 and, and this word is used so importantly to talk about Jerusalem, it's like, well, which, which is it? Is it like city of heroes, conquerors, mighty lion, lionesses, or is it the altar, the altar hearth? And New Living Translation obviously goes toward the altar hearth, and it sort of adds a few too many words for me. I don't think this is a great translation when it says, Jerusalem will become what her name Ariel means, an altar covered with blood. Well, that's a whole lot more words than the Hebrew uses. It just means, in the Hebrew, it just says Jerusalem's going to become Ariel. You know, it's like, well, what are you talking about? What do you mean? So 
I'm, I, I kind of go my own way here. Rather than, than like pick one, I think that Isaiah probably intends that double meaning. I think that in the first usage, when he says, what sorrow awaits Ariel, the city of David? I think he means that idea of the conqueror, you know, the lion, the lioness. You know, I, I think that's what he means because it's that ironic conquering of the conquerors. But at the same time, in verse 2, when he says, and yeah, the city is going to become Ariel, you know, an, an altar of blood. I think that's intended. I, I think he's playing on the words because Isaiah is a, 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 a rather, you know, sometimes just very, you know, direct and violent language. But, but at the same time, he's very uh, erudite and, and adept with language. And I think it's fully within his, you know, sort of poetic you know, art to to play on the word that way. So that, that's kind of mean. I've talked way too long about that. But anyway, uh, that message about Jerusalem there, uh, God himself is going to become the enemy and fight against them all the way to where they're just going to be reduced to the dust. Don't do what it says. Deep from the earth you will speak. You know, so there's this idea that God in his wrath and because of their turning from him is just going to crush them into the dust. But even from the dust, he will hear their cry. And then there's this, you know, just, you know, you know this mind-blowing reversal. Suddenly, the enemies are going to be crushed like the finest of dust. Your attackers will be driven away. All the nations fighting against you will disappear. And, uh, and, and then there's the redemption of God's people. So it's like, what? You know, just that reversal comes so quickly. Verse 9, are you amazed? Are you incredulous? You know, can you not believe it? Actually, you're just blind, stupid. You know, I mean, that's what Isaiah says. You know, I know you find this hard to believe, but it's mostly because you don't want to believe. You know, Isaiah, you know, plays on this, and you see it here in verses nine through about twelve. It's this whole idea of you know, the uh, reason you don't hear anything is because you don't listen. You know, if you listen, you'd hear something. If you look, you'd see something. You know, but as it is. Everything that is being revealed. I mean, Isaiah is saying, even in this vision, you know, y'all ain't going to get any of this. I'm going to understand it. You know, those of you who can read it, you know, don't read it. Those of you who can't read it, can't read it. You know, and it's sealed from you. You're blind to it. But um, be blind. Be, be stupid, he says. Uh, you're staggering. But it's not because you're drunk. You know, you just, you can't walk straight. You know, it's just Isaiah there talking about God's people. And then once more, again, just these Short, you know, oracles kind of pile up. Verses 13 and 14 are amazing to me. The Lord says, these people say their mind, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You know, Sunday morning in the pulpit, you know, we were reading the book of Revelation where Jesus gives kind of the report cards for the seven churches. And gosh, this sounds like this too. God is giving his critique for worship and he's not there for it, if, if you notice, um, uh, their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. That's one translation. The Hebrew literally says something like man-made man -made rules taught as God's commands. It's that idea that like, this is for you, but you act like I want it, you know, the, the Lord would say. You know, it's like you're the one who says it's got to be this, and you're the one. This is all for you. You know, these are your rules. It's your thing, and, and, and you try to act like it's my thing. You know, your mouth talks like people who love me, but I know where your hearts are. You know, it's just devastating critique of the God uh, to whom worship seems to be addressed, but at the same time, he knows her hearts, and he's not buying any of it, you, you know? 
Uh, verse 15, another woe. What sorrow awaits those who try to hide their plans from the Lord, you know, as if he can't see us, you know. It's just that foolishness. Uh, it's like the the, the created thing, the, the, the pot that, that says, I think I probably am smarter than the potter, you know, but you're just the clay, you know. Uh, Isaiah playing all these themes of, of, of the way we are, the way we begin to act like God is a fool and we can pull this over. Like he's going to, he'll fall for the same little, you know, charade that we fool everybody else with. It's, it's just uh, devastating. But then again, soon, and it won't be long, uh, gosh, the day the deaf will hear words read from a book, the blind will see through all the gloom and darkness. The humble will be filled with fresh joy from the Lord. I mean, Isaiah, he just can't do it for long. He paints this dark picture, but then all of a sudden, man, light shines through. Isaiah just always flips and goes back to, yeah, but then the day is coming and it's all going to turn around. God's going to God's gonna redeem his people. Uh, I, I just love it. I, I think it's beautiful. That's why the Lord who redeemed Abraham says to the people of Israel, my people will no longer be ashamed or turn pale with fear. They're going to see their many children and all the blessings I would give them. You know, so at the end of this chapter, it's all blessing. It's, it's all good. And, and I love it. You just see this God who is so fiercely committed, so fiercely committed to a blessing and redeeming his people. And, and despite their sin, their blindness, their stupidity, he is still going to... Uh, going to do good and bless them. I love it. Um, we'll pick up here tomorrow. We'll pick up with two chapters, chapter 30 and chapter 31. So chapter 31 is really pretty short. So uh, chapter 30, uh, verse 1, all the way through chapter 31, verse 9, okay? Listen, y'all pray for me. Pray for my family. My mother is probably in final days. I don't know how long she'll have. Uh, I don't know that she'll last today, to be honest. So I'm just telling you so that you'll pray for me and so that if I don't show up tomorrow or one of these days, you're going to know where I am, okay? So uh, I promise I'll, I'll get back to you. I'll pick up with you. I know that you're all going to say, just go be with your mom. And that's what I'm going to do. Uh, but understand, I'll try to be faithful to you. But if I don't show up uh, one of these days this week, you'll know where I am and just pray for me. Pray for my mom. Pray for our family, okay? I love you guys so much. Lord willing, I'll see you tomorrow. Chapter 30, 31 of the book of Isaiah. Uh, but uh, otherwise, you guys just have a great day today. And, uh, and I love you so much. I'll see you.